You're listening to episode 27 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. These are real stories and real experiences of widowhood, both my own story and many other widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. So, hi. (laughs) So glad to have you all back here again. You know, I started this podcast back at the beginning of this year from the heart, straight from the heart. I was busy putting together my business as a life coach launching that and working with life coaching clients, mostly with a focus on weight loss. But it had been in my heart to do a podcast for widows because when I became widowed, one of the first things I did was search iTunes podcast for something about being a widow. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. And I had hoped that I could find something to help me identify the feelings I was having, what I was going through, just I needed to hear someone else's story. And there was nothing on iTunes at all. There was nothing out there. Oh, yeah, I had some results come up when I searched Widow, like there's a rock band. (laughs) So I got their album could turn up and Um, Some podcasts that have the word widow in the title, but really have nothing to do with being a widow. When I started this in January, straight from the heart, and I really wondered then if I would even be able to do 10 episodes. And today is episode number 27. And that kind of blows my mind. (laughs) When I look to check to say, okay, what number episode is this that I'm going to introduce? And I saw 27, and I know it's not a giant number, and it's not like a round number, like, woohoo, we've hit episode number 50 or episode number 100. But still, I was just so surprised to think, okay, 27 episodes, maybe I really can do this podcast. (laughs) Maybe I can do this after all. This podcast continues to be something that comes right from my heart. And it's when I hear from you all, when I see new reviews left on iTunes, or I get emails from those of you who are listening. I just last night got an email pop in from someone who had just discovered the podcast and listened to a couple episodes, stopped to drop me a note, and it just touched me so much. One of the things she said that really touched me was that she was relieved to know that she's not alone in some of the thoughts that she's had. And she said thoughts that she either didn't want to share with anyone, not even in her widow support group, or it just hadn't dawned on her that she was thinking that. And I so identify with that last part of having it dawn on you that, God, I didn't even realize I was thinking that, but I sure have been. We tend to turn away from our own emotions, especially the ones that are so painful that we, well, for me, I go eat (laughs) when I have an emotion coming up that I don't even want to acknowledge something, a thought I don't even want to acknowledge. I will go grab a bag of chips. 
something that I've worked on and finally overcome that urge to overeat. I had to learn and recognize what it was within me. Listening to the story of another widow can indeed help you grasp onto those thoughts that you didn't even realize you were thinking. And as soon as you hear it, you identify with it. You go, okay, that's really what it is. Especially if it's a thought that's really painful to think. You know, our emotions come from our thoughts. And if you're having a thought that you don't want to face up to, it's because it makes you feel really bad to think that thought. But the beginning of feeling better is to recognize that thought and know that you're having it and then begin to own it and understand why your brain is playing that sentence in your head for you. Sometimes on this podcast, I share things that make me really uncomfortable to share about myself. I get real vulnerable with all of you. The reason I do that is twofold. One is that I experience some personal growth through having pulled this painful thought out of myself and laying it out there on the table. But the other is I know if I can take something that really doesn't feel good to me and I don't want to share it, just like the the widow that wrote to me last night, she said that she had thought she didn't even want to share in her widow support group. Isn't that the truth? But I found if I can allow myself that vulnerability to share those things with you, that those are going to be the exact thoughts that another widow is going to hear on this podcast and go, oh yeah, that is what I'm thinking. Oh God, I do have that thought too. And not feel so horrible for having had the thought because she's hearing that I've had it too. And in that company. (laughs) We know that we're okay, that we're not some freak of nature for thinking the way that we think sometimes. So as we head out on this journey as a widow, when we lose our spouse and we're going through the first year and we're getting through the second year and whatever year you happen to be on, We can try to work through some things within ourselves. The first things that we are trying to overcome, for me, it was a real financial freak out. And I think many of us as widows have that initial financial freak out. Oh, I've talked to a few widows that are like, it's last worry in their mind. But it's not necessarily because they are rich widows. I've had people tell me, Joanne, why do you think widows freak out financially? I know so many rich widows. They're just loaded, (laughs) right? And really, it has nothing to do with just being loaded with money, especially the ones that are left in a good financial situation. They may be freaking out because they have no idea what that situation is. Maybe their spouse handled all the financial matters paid the bills, did all of that, and now their spouse is gone and they have no idea. They don't know where the money is. They, they're trying to dig out bank statements. They're trying to figure out what bills are owed. They don't even know the order or sequence or the routine their spouse had for covering their expenses. 
They're clueless and they're freaking out financially because they don't know. The not knowing is the worst part. It's the worst part. I had visions of becoming a bag lady <laughs> because I had no income at all. I think it's not an unusual circumstance. And more and more with new widows, there's no income for them. You know, it used to be back in the day, back in the day, you would get a job with a company and you would stay with that company for your whole life or at least half of your life. And that company built a retirement for you. It wasn't something that you were putting in a 401k. You just, you, when you left that company, you had a retirement check from that company. And if a spouse passed away, that retirement check would often go to their widow or widower. Companies don't have automatic retirement programs. I've worked my whole life and I have never worked for a company that handed me a retirement check. I think it's becoming more and more frequent, especially with baby boomers, losing their spouses if they're not actively employed themselves, there's no source of income for them. And even if you are actively employed yourself, you're going to end up maybe using up all your vacation, maybe taking a leave of absence if you are not ready to just rush back to work after the, the trauma of becoming a widow. Where's your income? So there is financial concerns. I jumped and took a really awful job right after Jim passed away. I think I shared that. I don't know if I shared it on this podcast or my weight podcast. I remember talking about it. I was just so relieved to get the offer letter like a week after Jim passed away. And I ended up, I think I started that job less than three weeks after he died. And it started out really pretty great. But then they totally took advantage of my time expecting me to work seven days a week and long hours and be available all the time. It was crazy. It was just crazy. And I had to let that go. And letting it go was a huge leap of faith, a scary leap of faith, because it meant that I was letting go of a paycheck and there was, again, no income coming in. But I had just received like this divine intervention that came to me, made me realize why I was hating that job was I was missing out on the coaching and nurturing I would do with my, my team of transcriptionists. I became a life coach to a team of 125 people <laughs> that worked with me. It, and that's what I missed. I missed being able to help them grow and grow into their job and grow into their lives. And I had like this divine flash of inspiration that just said, it's time. It's time to just step away from this whole corporate world thing and become a life coach so that you can work in service of others. And that's what I did. I dropped that corporate job and decided that I would work in service of others. The financial planning part of that is still scary. It still can be very scary because even if your husband has left you set up with a decent bank account, 
that you can survive on for a while, you know that that's a finite amount of money. It's going to run out at some point if you don't develop an income for yourself. So often through the shock of losing your spouse and the grief that you're going through, you're also struggling to figure out the financial aspects of your life now that your spouse is gone. And maybe you're setting goals for yourself. Maybe you're job hunting for the first time in years. You can do all of that goal planning. You can write down all of your objectives that you want in life now. You can go through all the steps of doing that. But what's going to happen, it's not so much achieving the objectives that you've written down. It's who you become as a part of the process of doing that. And that's what I've discovered. I'm now a year and a half into my journey as a widow. It's been a year and a half for me. And looking back now, in hindsight, at the last 18 months, I can see the journey that I've been on as one of such self-discovery. It blows my mind. I spent a lot of my younger years trying to do self-discovery, right? Um, Reading a lot of self-help books, studying psychology, looking to find myself. Don't we go through that in our younger years, that looking to find ourselves? Suddenly I became widowed and I realized I've spent a year and a half finding myself. It's kind of an amazing thing. And the reason it happens is when you're working to achieve a goal, even if that goal is just, you know, finding a job for the first time in so many years or creating an income stream for yourself, or even just getting a handle on the income that your spouse has left you. Those Achieving those goals is not really what it's all about. You come up against your own fear, your own doubts, your own disbelief, your own feelings of shame, and going through all of that That is the process that helps you learn, not only helps you achieve your goal, it's part of the process of achieving your goal. The first thing that's going to happen is fear and doubt, because you're going to say, I need to do this within the next six months. And then you stand back and look at it and you think, oh my gosh, how is that even possible? How am I going to do that? I don't even know where to begin. That's all fear and doubt bubbling up and disbelief that you're capable of that and being ashamed maybe that you don't think you're capable of that. And you go through all those emotions and you do it anyway. Wow. Isn't that what courage is supposed to be? Courage is when you are so afraid, but you do it anyway. So as widows, man, do we get in touch with courage? Do we get in touch with that feeling of standing on the edge of a cliff, getting ready to jump off, being so afraid, and then doing it anyway? 
we have no choice sometimes. We have to do it anyway. It's it's like, gosh, it's like being tested by fire. You're walking through the flames because you have no other alternative but to walk through the flames. And in walking through those flames is when you begin to experience a rebirth. You learn how to process through the negative emotions. Maybe you don't learn. Maybe you're still struggling with that. Maybe you're still overeating because of the negative emotions. I know in the beginning, after Jim passed away, and I thought I was handling it fine, right? Everybody, how are you doing? How are you doing? I say, I'm okay. Really, I'm good. I'm good. I understand my beliefs about the afterlife. Jim and I had very strong beliefs about that. So I'm handling all of this really well. Then I weighed myself. <laughs> oh, God. Like six weeks after Jim passed away, I got on the scale and I was up 20 pounds. And that's after spending a week of barely eating because I was in shock after he passed away. I still gained 20 pounds. And that's when I realized, okay, maybe I'm not dealing with this as well as I thought I was. And clearly it was all of those emotions of grief and fear. And I can't even name all the emotions. You know what it is when you lose your spouse. It's like an explosion of emotion. And I was eating down the emotions and put on 20 pounds. It's learning how to process those emotions which the first step of that is understanding that it's okay to feel that. We can allow that feeling to come into our body and we're not going to die. It's not going to kill us. Oh my God, if we can go through the emotions that happen immediately after losing your spouse, we can handle anything. Come on, we are like women of steel by the time we come through that. If you are feeling fear about your future, know that you can feel that. Don't resist it. Let that happen. Say, there I am. I'm standing on the edge of a cliff with all these butterflies in my stomach and adrenaline rushing down my legs. Notice how the fear feels in your body. It'll help you process the feeling. I heard <laughs> that emotions last 90 seconds. First time I heard that a feeling lasts 90 seconds, I was just floored. I was floored. I heard it when I was in uh, a life coach school, learning about coaching formally so that I could get professional certification as a coach. And somebody said, an emotion lasts 90 seconds. And I thought, never in my life has an emotion lasted 90 seconds. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Plus the fact that I thought I was doing really great at getting in touch with my emotions. I mean, at that point, I had been widowed for about nine months. And I one evening, I even intentionally, I felt really sad about something. And I thought, okay. I can allow this. I should feel sad about this. I can just sit here and feel sad. I don't need to go into the kitchen and make cookies. I don't need a bag of chips. I can just sit here in my chair and feel sad. I'm just going to feel sad. And I allowed myself to feel sad. And I felt sad for the rest of the evening. And when I woke up the next morning, one of the first things I thought was, 
yeah, I still feel kind of sad about that. I still do. That emotion did not last 90 seconds. And when I brought this up, the master instructor immediately said, Joanne, it lasted all evening and into the next day because you were still resisting the feeling of being sad. You knew you were feeling sad, but you were still resisting feeling sad. Because if you don't resist it, it lasts 90 seconds. And it may come back again and again and again. It's like in waves. It's like ocean waves. But each wave is only going to last 90 seconds. I found the way to best allow yourself to not resist what you're feeling is to start to try to describe the feeling. The feeling always comes from a thought we're thinking. Okay, we think something in our brain and it sends that down into our body, like a vibration, a signal into our body for a, an emotion, a feeling. So if you sit there and try to identify, okay, where in my body is this feeling? What is happening when I feel this? Does my chest get tight? Do my legs get heavy? Do my cheeks burn? Do my eyes water? What's happening in my body? What does this feel like, physically feel like to feel this emotion? What color would I call this emotion? Is it a hot emotion or is it a cold emotion? Is there warmth to it? Begin to discover how the feeling feels in your body. There's a reason it's called a feeling. You feel it physically in your body. Focus on that. Identify it. Describe it to yourself. You're going to work right through that emotion like bang. You can then identify it. You'll even be able to name it. Maybe you can't name it. You just know you feel bad. I just feel bad. So sit there and feel bad and think about how that feels in your body where you're feeling bad. By the time you're done, you're going to go, oh, this is sad. Or Wow, I think this was depression. You're going to be able to put a name to the emotion. Shame. I've talked about shame before as being one of the hardest emotions to process. None of us want to feel shame. Shame is a hard one. And when I feel shame, my cheeks get hot. I get this big lump in my throat, that like grizzly lump in your throat that you can't talk. Shame is somehow when I get angry about something, shame gets wrapped up in my own anger so that when I'm angry, instead of being able to just explode and yell about it, I start crying. <laughs> I've always cried when I'm mad. It played hell in my professional corporate career. It played hell in my career. Out in California, I worked in the industry of interior design for a couple of decades. And what would happen is if I were angry about something and I needed to march right back to somebody and say, look, we need to take care of this. This is how this needs to be done. It's not acceptable that it was done this way. And I would march right back into their office and tears would just start coming. And I would be like, how can I stand here and be professional and get this concept across if I'm going to cry? But it was the resistance of feeling the emotion that would make me cry, actually, instead of allowing myself to feel it. And just because you're feeling an emotion doesn't mean you have to act on it. If you're feeling angry, you don't have to act on your anger. 
That's crazy. But you can allow it. You can sit there and identify how it feels to be that angry. And in 90 seconds, the anger sweeps through you. And now you can approach the issue calmly without crying, (laughs) without crying in your business power suit. As you progress through your journey as a widow, going through these emotions, walking through fire, trying to set objectives for yourself that just scare the hell out of you, know that this is your process of self-discovery and you are growing through this process. Now, it occurred to me, I've been um, working for about a month now on putting together an online program for my weight loss clients as a life coach. It's um, going to be an online program of master videos teaching the tools that I teach connected to weight loss and self-coaching. It will include a community forum and a Facebook group. It's going to include a couple group phone calls each month with me that I'll be coaching right on the calls and answering questions. And I will be ongoing adding more videos and worksheets to download throughout the year to take them through an entire year's process of It's called the Weight Loss Mastermind. And I was thinking yesterday as I worked on still putting together this online course for the Weight Loss Mastermind that I might be able to do something similar for widows and wondering about the value that I could put out there and offer in the form of video lessons and worksheets to help widows move forward with their life, um, coming out of that fog and, and getting things rolling, as well as an online forum for a sense of community where all of you can connect with each other and support each other. And maybe a, a completely private, closed, hidden, secret Facebook group. <laughs> and I promise you, hidden, secret, because there have been a, a pages and groups for widows on Facebook that I joined and I immediately started getting all these friend requests from really creepy male profiles, stalkers. (laughs) I will have this one on lockdown if I do it. But what I'm asking is in brainstorming this, wanting to know, is this something that would be helpful that you might want? Or if there is something different that you might want me to focus on, what are your issues? What do you need help processing through? Drop me an email and let me know. You can even just drop an email and say, yes, Joanne, I would be interested. And that's all I need you to say. Or no, no, just not something I would want to do. Email me at joanne at joannethelifecoach.com. And let me know if this is something that sounds like a good idea and I can put it together. It's a lot of work to build and it's a, you know, it'll have to be a monthly membership so that um, I, I can be compensated for the cost of it. All of this cost money to do and put together, including this podcast. So This is just something that I have brainstormed. I thought I would put it out there 
as something I could possibly launch within the next couple of months, an online course for working through your journey. Love to hear from you about that. Also, go to iTunes and leave me a review in iTunes. Not just a rating, but write a little note in there too, because it counts on iTunes in getting this podcast up front and center. So when somebody searches widow, they don't find the rock band. I would like them to find this podcast. So if you go to iTunes and search for Widowcast, even if you're subscribed and you have it in your iTunes, go to the search in the iTunes store, search the podcast for Widowcast, click on it, Go to ratings and reviews. Leave me a review. I would love that. In the meantime, remember to allow those emotions to flow through. Identify them. Get out there in your life. Find some joy in your life. And I'll talk to you next time. 